Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. This morning we did, we honored our veterans. And while we may know about warfare, I, I love watching. If you have Netflix, they have the BBC documentary, World War II in Color. If you haven't watched it, it's amazing. I enjoy so much learning about our history. I think it's important that we know those things. You know the old adage about history. If you don't know it, doomed to repeat it, right? We don't want to do that. And so we want to learn, but we understand those of us that, you know, know veterans or those here who are veterans, if you've been in combat, if you've been in warfare, you understand it in a visceral, personal way that the rest of people cannot understand. There is both a burden with that and there is both an understanding with that. There is a bond, a kinship that occurs in that way. And it's important that we remember what people sacrifice and that war by its very nature is sacrificial. We're in the 75th anniversary of D-Day and I've seen some documentaries and things on that. I don't think that the generations born after the greatest generation truly understand what that sacrifice means. How life and death things are in war, physically life and death. And for us in Christ, what I want us to remember, our new life in Christ, our position as heirs of God's grace, we've been learning in the book of Romans that we have to understand life and death from a spiritual perspective. The spiritual nature of life and death. The spiritual rebirth, the new life we get when we stand in Jesus Christ. In the death that we have, if we stand trying to, our, in our own efforts, under Adam, trying to be perfect in our faith, it just doesn't work. And as we've been reading and learning about that, Paul's been reminding us in Romans, we have to put that fleshy stuff, that old self, that sinful self to death. And so I was trying to think of how I could explain this to you. So spiritually, we're supposed to be like our own version of John Wick. Do you guys know John Wick? Dudes know John Wick. John Wick is awesome. See, these guys that he thought were his friends blew up his house and hurt his dog. I don't want to spoil it for you in the first movie. And then they were very sorry because John Wick came and he found him. You know, this is kind of, he's like since like Dirty Harry kind of stuff. And Charles Bronson, you guys remember Charles Bronson? I'm such a guy, I know, I'm so sorry. But anyhow, but you know, the bad guys, they, they did some bad stuff. And they seemed like his friends at first. And what we've learned in the book of Romans, that's how sin is. It can seem so attractive and so good at first. But in reality, it always is a lie. Sin kills us. We learned, if you remember, John Owen, the great Puritan preacher, said, you have to be killing sin or sin will be killing you. But John Owen also said something else this morning. Look what he said. There is no way of deliverance from the state and condition of being in the flesh in sin, but by the Spirit of Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about as we continue through the book of Romans. The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit in Romans 8. And so today, we're going to get a little bit into the core of what that means, to put sin to death and to claim that new life in Christ. So you have to kind of be like John Wick or, you know, like, like the mafia, you know. So you want to knock off sin. You're going to bump it off and put it in a car in a junkyard, I don't know, somewhere like Youngstown. I don't know what. I always pick on Youngstown. Youngstown people, I love you. I just grew up near there, and so I... You know, three cars go in the rock quarry, two come out. You know how it goes. You know, it's just, you laugh, but I've seen it. <laughs> You're laughing, I'm not. <laughs> so, but the reality is, in these two verses we're going to look at today, Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at these just two verses 
that sum up that core, that pivot point on which the book of Romans really falls. So let's look at that this morning, starting in Romans 8.12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's it. You guys catch that? One way you die, and one way you live. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that, what that looks like for us. There's an old proverb that Cherokee tell, that Indians tell, and it's about two wolves. One is an evil wolf, but it's a dark wolf, and it fights, and it battles against the other, the white wolf, the good wolf, and they battle, and they battle it out. And this old Cherokee is telling this story to his grandson, and he says, in the, the wolves, they battle it out, and the, the fight between the one is evil. It is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, Inferiority, lies, false pride, and superiority. The other is good, joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight goes on inside of each one of us, the old Cherokee told his grandson. The grandson thought about it for a few minutes and then asked his grandfather, Grandfather, which wolf will win? And the old Cherokee smiled and looked at his grandson and replied simply, the one that you feed will be stronger. That one will win. There's a lot of truth in that. We believe, of course, God's word is the greatest truth. But the idea of this, the idea of this fits in with what we just read in the book of Romans. Or book of Romans. What are we feeding in our lives? What, with the battle that's going on, what are we doing with that? We need to stop feeding that sinful, fleshy nature, and we need to start feeding the stuff that Christ tells us to do. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? How simple is it? So today, we're not the kind of church that gives you five ways to feed your, your right self better or just the power of positive thinking. I would not dare do that to you because God's Word tells us we're sinners and we're deceived but we understand that sin has a grip on us. That battle is going on in Romans 7, that spiritual battle. We've been talking about it. It's a heart matter. Even Paul, the great apostle of the early church, says, hey, the things I don't want to do, it's what always happens. So we can dig in and put our nose to the grindstone, and we can get really good. The Pharisees did that. They worked really hard. They got so good, they even started adding their own rules in. Because they thought, I'm going to be extra good. I'm going to ace all the extra credits. But we can't just cold turkey sin because it affects all of us. It does, as the old Cherokee noted, create pride and self-righteousness. Sin does all these things. We want to stop it. We make plans to stop it. We read books about it. We get into clubs. We come to church and we talk about it. Uh, sometimes because sin affects us, we can you know, exercise. I have the sin of liking things that are bad for me, so I, I have to diet and exercise. You know, I mean, we all do these things to affect how sin gets us, but yet sin still exists. It still exists in us. We can't just get past it. And that new life in Christ wants us to understand. What Paul wants us to understand is there is only one way to be found righteous. 
We're still going to be sinners, but we're going to be saved in God's grace. And so today we're going to talk about this simple idea, this linchpin, this pivot point in the book of Romans. And we're going to talk about the gospel's impact on our lives very briefly and how the Holy Spirit's presence in our life is the gospel in us, through us, and coming out of us into the lives of others. As we move into the latter parts of Romans here, that Holy Spirit emphasis is going to be very important. Very important because if Christ is in us, although the body is dead, although there is still sin, the Spirit brings Christ's righteousness into our lives. We've been talking about that. And so that focus we have to have is on the gospel and also on how the sign and seal of the gospel in our lives, just as we had a sign and seal this morning on Caitlin's life, that we want Christ to claim her. And the way we know we've received Christ is God's Holy Spirit comes into us and begins to transform our lives. Like we've been talking about in Romans, that means even when we sin, we're not okay with it. We're convicted of it. We know we're not supposed to be doing it. If you've had that experience even this morning, and you very well may have, I have, you think something or do something or say something, you're like, oh, why'd I do that? Why'd I say that? That is the gospel's impact personally manifest in us through the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about briefly this morning. And I want us to remember what we've learned in the book of Romans. Because this all is building up in the book of Romans. God came and saved us. The entire Bible, our fantastic Bible study, we're still in the book of Genesis. And now we're going through Jacob and Esau. And we learn that God has been choosing, God has been calling, God has been keeping the covenant since the very beginning, because we've always been sinners since the garden. We learned in Romans 3, all of us sin. We all fall short of God's glory. We don't get it right, so where do we go from there? Where do we go? What do we do? Well, first of all, we don't just put our head down and bash through the walls. We don't just put our nose to the grindstone. Battling sin is not as simple as saying, no way, I'm just going to do it. No way. Why? Because sin distorts our perception. And the reality of sin is something like this. We sin because deep down in that moment, we don't think about the consequences of our sin. We don't think about how it affects us. We just think and we convince ourselves that sin is going to make things better. You know what? Right now, this situation, this time, it's going to be okay. I'm going to say this, I'm going to do that. Sometimes it's not really that deep of a conversation. We just go, okay, and we do it. Have you ever done that? You ever done that? Sin is like a sale you can't resist. On something you think you want, but you get home and say, why did I buy that? But it's a sale in terms of relationships and life and heart and thought. Sin is the way that none of us None of us can just stop doing it. It's the way we get sucked into things. It's so hard on us. That, that's what sin does to us. But yet we understand that we're secure in what Christ has done. But we have to remember that sin is appealing. There is a deception involved with it. And what it does is when we sin and we realize, hey, I, I just can't stop doing this. I can't put my nose to the grindstone. We usually get kind of self-righteous. We kind of get difficult. And because we're convicted of our sin, it also creates in us fear. And fear is no way that we want to live. Sin is no way we, we want to live. Sin creates that fear in us. So what sin does, there's this progression with every sin. It may happen in an instant. You may go through all of these in like five seconds. 
Sometimes it feels like five nanoseconds. Sin will first deceive us. You know what? This is really good for you. And it'll draw us in with a promise of just this once, or it's not a big deal, or that turkey deserves it, whatever it is. And then as sin begins to do what it always does, the wages of sin is always death. It will distract us. It'll say, no, 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 look look over here. This is going to be better. This, This stuff here is not bad. But all the time, it's destroying us. If you've ever read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you may remember how the White Witch draws in Edmund, if you've seen the story, with just little bits of candy, just a little Turkish delight, a little bit here and there. And all in all, he's deceived at first. He doesn't see all the destruction that the witch is doing all around him. That's what the devil does. The devil deceives us with sin. And he calls us in, and he tells us, you know what, it's okay. And then if we snap out of it, usually we feel so guilty we don't want to go to God, so we think, I've got to work really hard. This is what happened with the Pharisees. This is what happens with us. We get self-righteous. Why I'm good? Because I do this or I don't do that like they do. The whole book of Romans has been about that. Well, I'm not as bad as those people, God. Sin's like this. We get caught in it and we, we want to pull ourselves out of it. We want to work really hard. And we say, wow, this is getting bad. So even if we recognize the destruction, we go, I'm going to make it better. It's like an Easy Bake Oven. Do you guys remember Easy Bake Ovens? So my friend Rachel had an Easy Bake Oven. So we were like, I don't know, four or five years old, maybe six. And we had the old school Easy Bake Oven, the one that's probably illegal. It's probably like, you know, a black market item at this point. I don't know. So they had the oven. I lived in a neighborhood full of girls except for one other dude. So we had like six girls and two dudes. So guess what we did? Whatever the girls wanted to do. That was it. So I remember I rolled down the street on my big wheel, and uh, we used to be allowed to do that. Kids would just leave and go in the neighborhood, and nobody freaked out. And I remember they had it out on the porch, which I'm like, oh, they're baking outside. It was this time of year. I'm like, right on. Who doesn't like a cookie? So they kept trying to bake stuff for a couple days, and it wouldn't bake. And it was a pretty new oven, and my friend Rachel, she's kind of passionate. She still is today. And she's like, this thing just doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, I'm a boy, so I'm not touching it. Like, I don't know anything about baking. I'm like five years old. And, you know, she got those mixes. So finally, about day three, her dad comes out. Because those mixes, they're like made of gold. They're like a million dollars. And so he's like, this is getting expensive. So unbeknownst to her, what had happened was her younger sister, I'm not going to rat out which one of them in case they ever hear this somehow, She dropped the Easy Bake Oven and broke the bulb, and she didn't want anybody to know, so she changed it with the other bulbs she could find. But the Easy Bake Oven uses the bulbs like we use at Heritage Hall that are like artificial suns. (laughs) Those things are 500 watts. You know, you ever get hot in there? That's why. We're looking to change those. There's a reason for that, because our electric meter goes like this whenever they're on. So, so, you know, she put like a 25-watt bulb in where like I think they're like 100 watt bulbs probably or whatever you know and so it it couldn't get hot enough to bake the little mix she was doing everything right but she didn't have the power to make that change happen for all those elements she mixed them as hard as she could she was working so hard and it wouldn't rise because it didn't have the power inside of it to do it on its own what in the world does that mean for us It means that for us, the Holy Spirit 
is what makes a difference in our lives. The Holy Spirit is what transforms our lives. The Holy Spirit is that power that in our own efforts we don't have for ourselves. The Spirit is the means by which we put to death the deeds of the body. That fleshy, that sin nature that's warring inside of us. Where Paul says, I can't do what I want to do. The Spirit is what we need. That's why we have these spiritual acts of worship. That's why we have these covenants that we do where we're saying in that moment, God, you need to save this child. I can't do that myself. That's what parents are saying today. I'm going to do everything I can. You guys are awesome. I know you're going to do everything you can with your little girl, but she's still a sinner. I see her sometimes. You'll say, don't do that. And what's she going to start doing? First thing she's going to do is do it right. We all know this. God's presence brings us that power, that spiritual ability that we don't have. And more than that, God's presence is the assurance that when that self-righteousness comes, when the devil says, you know what? Sin's really good for you. You should go after it. God's spirit says, "Mm -mm, it's not. It's not. Think of the Garden of Eden. What does Satan tell Adam and Eve? Hey, you know what? God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. In fact, he knows that you can get a leg up on him. You can actually be just like him. The devil's lie is always the same. You should have whatever you want. Follow your dreams and you will be happy. God's word says the heart is sinful, wicked, and deceitful. It's above all things. It's so wicked. Who can understand it? It's not what God's word says. Jesus said in his word, he promised that the Holy Spirit would come to not only show us that we're loved and accepted, that we don't have to get self-righteous, that we don't have to try harder. We have to rest in him and say, God, I need your spirit. I need your power. Jesus said in John 14, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Well, you know, we don't do that, God, so how do we do it? He says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, to be a sign that you aren't rejected, that you are accepted. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because because the world neither sees him nor knows him. But when Christ calls you, you know him, and he dwells with you and will be in you. God's spirit is that sign and seal that if you're a Christian, you've received. You've received that sign and seal, and you know better. You know better than that. That's what it means to belong to Christ we understand that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us and that sin is our enemy. He's going to guide us in the truth and life. So I talked about the wolves at the beginning. I talked about that earlier on. So if you've ever been to Alaska, who here, I know we've done mission trips, people, who here has been to Alaska? So the two wolves analogy, my friend J.D. preached on this sermon. I want to give credit to him. J.D. Funyak, you're awesome. Love you. You're listening. Okay. So the reality is, he's not, but it's okay. It's fine. So, our families went to Alaska, and when you meet the Inuit, the, the, we call them Eskimos, which is funny because that just means fishing, fishermen, and they don't all fish. But when you meet the native folks in Alaska, they have a problem with wolves. We talked about two wolves early on. Anybody know how you get rid of wolves when they're coming and they're picking off your sled dogs and, you know, your children, you're worried about them? What do you do? Here's what you do with a wolf. You take a very, very sharp knife and you dip it in blood. And then you let that freeze, which in Alaska, anytime other than July, is pretty easy, right? And you leave it out on a stick right outside of wherever you live. And the wolf will smell that little blood popsicle, and he'll come in and start licking it. And he'll lick it and lick it, and he can't believe how much blood. It's so great. He's getting all this blood off of it. But in reality, because it's so cold, the wolf doesn't realize 
It's cut its own tongue. And so it drinks all the blood it wants to it's satisfied, not realizing it's its own blood. And of course, the wolf dies. That's what sin seeks to do in our lives. It seeks to satisfy us, and as our hunger grows, and as we think this is so satisfying, we can become numb, we become desensitized to the effect that sin has on our lives. And we say, God, why are you letting this happen to us? And God's Spirit the whole time is saying, stop licking the knife. But we don't. Until God's Spirit pulls us away. If we don't put sin to death, it will be killing us. The Holy Spirit comes to teach us all things and to bring to remembrance from God's Word. The Holy Spirit illuminates God's Word so we can understand it because God's Word says, follow me and you will live. If you don't, it's going to be death. So as we close today, I don't have a ton of time, but we're going to talk here briefly about this idea of receiving the Holy Spirit. This comes from Dr. Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called Crew. I did not invent this. There's just a couple things you can do. You have the Holy Spirit as a Christian, but if you want to say, okay, God, I want the Spirit, if you want to reorient yourself and say, okay, God, I've been doing it my way. I'm licking pretty hard here. I'm really thinking this sin tastes good, but I might be killing myself. Four things you can think about this week. Four things you can think about this week. First of all, the idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. God's Word teaches us that we're blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. This idea of, of being thirsty like, you know, if you've been in a desert and you run out of water. I remember I fell out into a raging rapids. I was uh, doing whitewater rafting, class 5 rapids on the Yakagani River. I fell, actually I jumped out of a raft because somebody else did, and I was trying to save them. A dumb story, anyhow. But I, I, I threw them back in the raft right as we went into the, the thing they call Charlie's washing machine on the, on the, the lower Yakagini River. And I hit a rock and went under, and I, I couldn't breathe. And I came up about a minute later, and I, I've, you know, I was a lifeguard, and I was in shape and young and all that, and I was just gasping for air, and I thought I was going to die for like 20, 30 seconds. When you recognize that sin is choking God's spirit and God's life out of you, when you realize you're gasping for air, when you come up, when you have that thirst that you've been in the desert, when you're gasping for air, when you haven't had it, when you have that understanding of what it means that you haven't had it and then you experience it, that's what God's saying. As Christians, do we desire God's truth? Do we seek after God's things? Or are we still there thinking that sin's going to be something better? The next thing we have going on here is that we are called to forgive and believe. This is something else that we talk about in this idea of the Spirit, the idea of those two natures warring within us. Which one are you going to feed? Are you going to feed the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the anger and all the things that goes on? See, we praise God when, he, when someone else who has had something awful turns their life around. They were maybe in prison and did something awful, and they, they get their lives together. And the people that they have wronged, maybe... It was a drunk driver or something horrible, and they're forgiven. But would, would, we, would we be willing to do that if that was somebody we knew, if that was our child or our grandchild, if that was our brother or sister, if that was our spouse? You see, when God's Spirit gets a hold of us, we have to understand that we have to make room for God. We have to make room for God and give Him all the space we have in our lives. That's our next thing. We have to forgive others, and we have to forgive ourselves 
And that means we have to learn to give everything to God. If you were here a couple weeks ago, I talked about, uh, before my card was here a couple weeks ago, when I preached about, I showed you my mom's dress when she was adopted from the mission. I held up that dress. And she received a new name in Christ. And that's what we all do, receive a new name. God gives us a new identity in him. He sees Christ when he sees us. And he sees Christ and Christ alone and not us. And when God's spirit comes into us, we have to be filled with God's spirit. We have to give everything to him and seek to be filled. So this is from D.L. Moody, who was a great preacher. How do you get the air out of this cup? How do you get the air out of this cup? You put a vacuum in, what's going to happen? It's going to break, right? You can't dump the air out, right? So that air, that sin that naturally dwells in us, it's always in this cup, isn't it? The only way to get that air out of this cup is quite simply to put something else in place to force it all out of there. God's Spirit comes in to guide us, to direct us, but to wash us out and take up all that space. And this morning, if you know there's something in your life that you need to get out of your life, if there's something in there that you have that faith, you know Christ dwells in you, but you don't have that power holistically, that you don't think that Christ can change you or change the world, I want to invite you this morning to ask God, say, God, come in my life, particularly in this way. I need your power to defeat blank, to forgive blank. I want to invite you to do that this morning because that battle, that war that's going in inside us, it's never going to end. And the Holy Spirit will guide us into God's truth and also into God's desires for our lives. And that may mean we have to forgive someone. We have to give something up. We have to lay something down and we have to let something go so God can fill us up and put more of himself in us this morning. I like what Dr. Billy Graham said. The Holy Spirit illuminates the minds of people, makes us yearn for God and takes spiritual truth and makes it understandable to us. God's Spirit is here. He wants to guide you. That deception that sin's good, that it's, it's really going to work out. God's Spirit is there saying, no, get that out of your life. Lay it down. And in fact, I'll pour more of myself into you, that you would be changed, that you would be transformed, that you would be sanctified and belong more, to more, more and more to God. That's what we're going to learn in weeks to come. Let's pray. Father, that we would understand that there are those two natures fighting inside of us. We know that the book of Romans has taught us it's not about us, it's all about Jesus. So now, this morning, we will consider this question. What will we feed inside of us in our lives? What are we hungering for? What sin are we nibbling on that we think is going to be just no big deal, but it takes up more and more space, and there's no space for your Spirit to be poured into us? God, this morning, that we would ask you, God, I, I pray this morning that whatever you're placing on people's hearts and lives, that they would say, God, I need you. I need your power. I can't do this myself. I need you to give me the power that I can feed what's good, what you desire, that I can be fed and nourished and guided by your word into all truth, that I can mix up all the stuff, and if my, my heart's like an easy bake oven, I can mix it all up, but I don't have the power to make it, to make it all come together to what it's supposed to be. God, I just can't do it. God, I need you to take this out of my life. I need to forgive this from someone. I need to seek forgiveness. I need to know that you forgive me for what I've done. Whatever it is, God, that we would this morning make room in your lives, in our lives for you, for you to have our lives, for it to be your life and not our own, that we would belong more fully and more completely to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said.